What's up, guys? Welcome back to the John Summer Challenge. Today, we're in John chapter 17, verses 1 through 26, day 27 of the John Summer Challenge. And in our passage today, Jesus is done giving comforting words to his disciples in preparation for his death. Now he transitions. He turns his eyes to his father and he prays as he so often did. Here we see the real Lord's Prayer. Now, what do I mean by the real Lord's Prayer? Well, often when we think of the Lord's Prayer, we think of Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. It says, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But this is actually the disciples' prayer. This is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. But our passage today records the real Lord's Prayer. Jesus praying to his Father intimately and intensely as he nears his coming death. And what is it that he prays for? In our passage today, Jesus prays, and we're going to see this, Jesus prays for three things. Three things. Number one, Jesus prays for his glory. Jesus prays for his glory in verses 1 through 5. Now, over and over again, we have seen in the Gospel of John this statement, his hour had not yet come. This meant that it wasn't time for the greater miracle to happen yet. It wasn't time for Jesus to die on the cross. But here, in the very first verse of chapter 17, we see something different, don't we? It says in John 17, 1, Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, and the Son, that the Son may glorify you. It was time for Jesus to be willingly led to the cross. And it is under this intense pressure, knowing that he would, in just a few hours, take on the full wrath of God, that Jesus prays this prayer. His prayer reveals what he has always been focused on, the, the glory of God bringing his Father glory. Jesus knows what is about to happen to him. He is never taken by surprise from eternity past before time even began. The plan of redemption was set. And now Jesus willingly and joyfully submits to the Father, knowing that his death will lead to his own glory and to the glory of his Father. Then he continues in verse 2. He says, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. Now, what is eternal life? I think our quick reaction to define the two words separately and then smash them together. Eternal equals forever. And so eternal life must mean forever life. I, I live forever. And that's true. But that applies to those apart from Christ as well, doesn't it? Unbelievers will live forever as well, just in hell. So what is eternal life? What is the eternal life that the Son gives? Jesus tells us in verse 3, This 
is eternal life. What? That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God. One pastor explains, Jesus defines eternal life not in quantity of time, but in quality of life. Eternal life is something that you can experience right now because eternal life is knowing God and knowing whom he has sent, Jesus Christ. Not only are we cleansed and forgiven of our sins because of what Christ has done on the cross, but we are also able to know him, to actually know him, to have a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the most precious gift, to know him. And so Jesus prays that from his submission and through his death, he would glorify himself and the Father. Next, he also prays for number two, for his disciples. Number two, he prays for his disciples in verses 6 through 19. Jesus now shifts from praying for himself to praying for those whom his Father has chosen, his disciples. This is why this prayer is called the High Priestly Prayer, because Jesus is fervently praying on our behalf for us. Jesus specifies this in verse 9. He says, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. He's speaking to the Father here. Jesus, out of his great love for us, prays for all whom the Father has given him. Remember how the plan of redemption and the Trinity works. The Father chooses whom will be saved from eternity past. And the Son redeems only those whom the Father has chosen. And the Spirit will apply Christ's redemption to all who repent and believe, to all whom the Son has redeemed. Jesus is praying for all of his genuine followers. But what is he praying for? Look at verse 11. And it's the second part of it. it says, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. Jesus is praying on our behalf for something we learned about earlier in John's gospel. Eternal security. He's praying for the eternal security of all believers. What is eternal security again? That those who are genuinely saved will always be saved. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. You cannot lose your salvation. Once saved, always saved. And that is a sweet, comforting truth. Jesus is praying that all who come to him will remain in him. Jesus pleads on our behalf to protect and preserve us in himself. That's why it says in Romans 8, 34, it says, who is, the one who, who, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. He intercedes for us. But there is something else that Jesus prays for. On our behalf. Look at verse 17. I love this. He says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word 
is truth. Jesus prays for the believer's sanctification. What is sanctification? It is to be separated from sin. Jesus is praying for our holiness and purity that we would become more like him. This is something we would need as we go out into the world and as we witness, we need to look like Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is without sin. And so Jesus is praying for our sanctification, that we would be separated from sin, that we would pursue holiness and purity. But how? How are we sanctified? It is by the truth of God's word. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. As you saturate yourself in the Word of God, the Bible, as you consume the very words of God, as you dig deeper and deeper into this book, as you abide in Him, the Spirit will transform you. He will sanctify you. He will make you more into the image of Christ, separated from sin. This is what Jesus prays for, as he is in agony over his coming death. He prays for those who would believe in him, that they would be kept in him and sanctified in the truth. And lastly, number three, Jesus prays for all believers. He prays for his church. He prays for all believers in verses 20 through 26. It says in verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, the 11 disciples, but for those also who believe in me through their word. Jesus is not just praying for his 11 disciples alone. He is praying for every single true believer in him. Have you ever considered this? If you are a genuine follower of Christ, Jesus is currently, right now, praying fervently for you. Do you need an imagery to fully understand this? Imagine you're in a room, all alone, and on the other side of the wall, you hear someone talking. It is Jesus praying, praying for you. Do you hear that? How would this image change the way you behave when you think you're all alone? When you're tempted to sin, how could you possibly carry out that sin against Christ, knowing that just on the other side of the wall, Jesus Christ is there on his knees with his eyes to the Father, praying fervently for you not to sin. But he is not praying for us on the other side of that wall, is he? No, he is much closer than that. If you are a true follower of Christ, then you have been united with him. Christ is not on the other side of the wall. He is in you, much, much closer. How does this truth that Jesus right now is praying so fervently for you, if you're a follower of Christ, how does that change how you live and change how you view him? Jesus goes on, to pray for all believers in verse 23 through 24. 
I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is praying for all true followers to be united with him for all eternity. Isn't that sweet? Jesus is not just dealing with us and just say, ah, oh, fine, if, if we, you know, get our act together and if, if we, you know, just come to our senses, then, you know, fine, I'll have them, I'll have them. Now, Jesus is praying to the Father, please, Lord, have them be with me in heaven forever. Isn't that sweet? What does that tell you about Christ's love for us? It's unbelievable. Even before his own execution, Jesus prays for us, for all true believers, and he continues today to pray for us. May this truth motivate us to rejoice in knowing him and to bask in his great love for us. That's it for today's devotional. I've got three questions for you. Number one, what is eternal life? What is eternal life? Number two, what did Jesus pray for all believers? What was he praying for? And number three, how are you encouraged to act or think differently, knowing that Christ is currently praying for you if you are a true believer in him? Submit your answers to those questions and you will be done with day 27 of the John Summer Challenge. I'll see you tomorrow for day 28.